0: Good morning, church. Good, morning. Good to see you guys. And uh, you know what? I think I might have a little bit of rework. Is that better? Huh? like it back is is that going to work? It's still reverberating. Okay, we are continuing on with our study of Luke. We're in Luke 22, 47 through 53. And uh, that's where we'll be at today. I see the account of the, uh, the rest and uh, the trials of Jesus. This very pathetic thing that went on. It was almost laughable when you think about it, how they did it. It was a bungling effort by the religious leaders, but they they succeeded. Only because God purposed for them to succeed, in spite of their failings and their wicked motives that they had. And behind this, It was through those events that the salvation of mankind was accomplished. God used the arrest as part of His whole plan and how it was done. and The betrayal happened. We uh, were in uh, the section last week where Jesus was praying, the Garden of Gethsemane, and He had told them that the betrayer was at hand. One of the twelve was going to betray. I'm not sure that they really understood what that meant or who it was. Anyway, after the the prayer was completed, he prayed to the fullest. As the ones who are going to arrest him are marching to him, he goes out to meet them. Yeah, you'd normally think, well, hey, start running. You see, he was not (laughs) caught off guard, was he? not at all. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew what was happening. But you see, the ones who came to arrest him expected something very different. Something a lot different than the way that it went down. You see, they came in huge numbers. We don't know how many there were, but there were a ton of them. And they came with their torches and clubs and swords. They were equipped. Jesus didn't resist at all, matter of fact, he turned himself into them. He didn't try to hide. He was not shaken at all, was he? And whenever he says his name and he says I am, they fall back and fall down to the ground, all of them. However many hundred there were. They trip over themselves and Jesus identifies himself at that time, and that's what what happened want you to realize there's a focus here that Luke is really honing in on. And it's not what was done to Jesus, but it was what he said and did. You see, this story is not about Judas, and it's really not about the Roman cohort and the religious leaders and the soldiers, the Sanhedrin, it wasn't about them, it wasn't about Peter, as he took his sword and cut an ear off, even though all of that is in this section, that's a, that's a ton right there, isn't it? Something like, what, seven verses? That's a lot of material there that the Lord has given us in this story, this hour of darkness. But see, the focus is, is what Jesus says and does. And really that's the way that you read the Bible. These are major characters in this though. Judas. The Jews. The Romans. And Peter. Malchus. A lot of characters in this story. It's all about Jesus here. You see he did three rebukes. He did a miracle. A healing. So we see the significance of what is here what we want to do is just kind of pause and reflect just a moment how explosive this situation could have been. It's volatile. Because they're not expecting this to go down the way that it does. It was amazingly peaceful, the way that that it happened. They're heavily armed, equipped. You see, in our day, it would have been equal to a SWAT team and the National Guard coming in with them, and they'd be having helicopters flying around, they would have their automatic rifles, all the weapons that they would have, the searchlights would be on. It would look like daytime in those nighttime hours. And so you could probably hear the safety latches clicking off whenever they approach the place where they're going to arrest Jesus they're getting ready. Well, they didn't have those weapons. But you can imagine our day, what it would be like. Or you can imagine Peter with a like a 357 magnum. Can you imagine Peter with a 357 magnum? Uh, what would he do? Well, what would happen? Well, chances are a gun probably would go off. He would have open fire and it would go crazy. You see how the casualties would have mounted at that time if Peter would have had that opportunity. But he did draw the sword. And that's how volatile this is. It could have been very devastating. If Jesus does not intervene and does what he does, he, you would send seen a lot of bloodshed. So, it's devastating bloodbath here. Um, we also see that Jesus says what he says people listen he actually was able to get through and that's the power of Christ and he said enough of this right there it stopped not only did Peter stop but the rest of the ones that were getting ready to arrest him stopped also what kept them from getting to Peter quickly whatever kept Peter from being arrested at least Right? But Jesus says enough of this. He just assaulted a man as he took his ear off. Had a deadly weapon, didn't he? Jesus is in control of this whole thing. Even despite the fact of all these hundreds who are trying to arrest him. Jesus rebuked his betrayer. He rebuked Judas. Judas. He also rebuked Peter and the disciples, the rest of the ones that were there in the crowd. There was a ceasefire. And thirdly, he yielded a servant's ear. And fourthly, he rebuked the religious leaders for the way in which they dealt with him in this kind of arrest, bringing all the armies and the weaponry, treating him like a criminal. Jesus is numbered among the transgressors. Remember back a few weeks ago? That's what we dealt with. Numbered among the transgressors. That's the way they saw him. The reason that they're able to carry out the plans that they do, as wicked and evil as they are, it's because, get this, it's God's eternal purpose. It is his plan that it goes the way that it does. That sounds remarkable, doesn't it? See that? I don't know if I can buy that or not. Yeah, well, it's God in control, always. It's also the hour when darkness reigns. Does God let darkness reign? Yes. Yeah. You can look at what's happening in our world. Has been happening. Will continue to happen. All the things that are going on, But it doesn't mean that it frustrates God's purpose. He's absolutely sovereign. He is not taken by surprise. Oh, I didn't see that one coming. Can you imagine that? Aren't you glad that He doesn't say that? He knows exactly what's going on. That applies to our lives. Everything we're going through that's maybe not favorable. It's a good thing if you're His. Maybe all the things, and think how many great things that are favorable. Favorable that He works in there. It's to achieve His good purposes. You see, it's not about us. It's all about God. That's why we're here today. So, let's get into where we really need to be. That's the Word of God. Luke chapter 22. and Let's honor God's Word as we stand and we read this text. By the way, it's found in all four Gospels. It's very, 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 very important, just like anything else is. But you can't miss this. While he was still speaking, coming from prayer, get somebody, behold, a crowd came. And the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was preceding them. And he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, Stop, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priest and officers of the temple and elders who had come against him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber? While I was with you daily in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. Let's pray. Father, what a section this is as we see the great betrayal. It's hard to imagine but we know, Lord, that anybody who is not trusted in Christ as their Savior has the same destiny as they will go away from you into hell forever. Judas represents all the ones who deny Christ, although even in here we see an absolute tragedy in this worst act that could be done. A betrayal. In Jesus name we pray as we look for your Holy Spirit to guide us today we pray amen I believe we have uh, three parts here today it's pretty easy to outline we start off with kiss The kiss it says while he was still speaking behold a crowd came and the one called Judas one of the twelve preceding those, and he approached Jesus to kiss him. Everybody, believers, unbelievers, all over the world know of this story. Judas. Now, there's a crowd that is mentioned here. It's what uh, Luke presents. It's a crowd or it's a mob. Mob is probably even better to say. You have the temple guards there. Temple guards are the ones who secure the temple, especially at the time of Passover. You have the morning sacrifice, you have the evening sacrifice, you have hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem, probably a million at this time of the Passover. So they're a security force, and they are up there on uh, the Mount of uh, Gethsemane, sorry, uh, Mount of Olives. You have the chief priests that are there, and they would be the Sadducees. They ran the temple enterprises, and you remember Jesus came into the temple when He first presented Himself that week and just blew everything away in the temple that they had that was not worshiping God. And of course, the, you know as far as the, uh, the, the buying and the selling and how they were taking advantage of people, Jesus cleared them all out. Cleared them out, I think, for the whole week. So, you can imagine how the Sadducees felt about this. They own the temple. Chief priests, that's how they make their money. This is a big deal to them. They're glad to be there. Elders are there also, which would be the Sanhedrin, the 70 elders of Israel, they're responsible for leadership. So, I have what I call the army of the Sanhedrin, and all the, the other ones that are considered to the crowd or the mob it's a SWAT team that they've assembled. But even more than that, you have another group that's there, and I'm getting this from different passages Matthew 26, 47, John 18, 3. We have a Matthew and we have a, a John here today, right? Do we have a Luke here? We have Mark. We got them all, almost. We got them all covered, right? <laughs> so. There's a Roman cohort that's going to be involved here. And, uh, yeah, John 18.3 and Matthew 26, I think. And then you have the the Mark passage. And you put those together and you see all the crowd divvied up here. Uh, A Roman cohort would be a military discipline group. Uh, A cohort was really 600 men. That's a lot. It could have been a whole cohort, or it could have been some of those guys, could have been a lot of those. Maybe they kept some of them back in the city. Whatever it is, you have a number of them. You have the temple guards, you have uh, all of this happening here, and it was like the temple guards earlier in John chapter 7 were actually sent to go get Jesus and bring him back with them to arrest him. That's what they were sent for. And in John 7, and, and I will uh, actually save us some time here. Usually I go right to it. And let's read this. But if you want to read it uh, later, you can. But in John 7, we see that they don't arrest him. They had nothing to arrest him for. And he said some amazing things. He did amazing things. And they go... How can we arrest him? So they didn't go back with him. Well, that to the religious leaders was a failure. So there, there they are again, This the, the temple police and uh, this force that's there. They need help. They need the Roman cohort to go along with them to make sure that they bring Jesus back this time. Well, the reason they didn't get him last time is because it was God's will that that didn't happen at that time, right? He's controlling all this. All the timing is just perfect. What, why do I do this with my hands? I noticed that on the videos. And I'm going, what in the world is wrong with this guy? He's juggling and doing everything. I don't know. I guess I've done that always. I've always done that. Sorry about that waving around and everything, but uh, I'll try to keep it a little bit more calm. I get excited, you know. Uh, so we better send some Romans along to make sure that we get him. Uh In Mark 1443, we get scribes that are there also. Temple guards, scribes, uh, the Sanhedrin. You know the elders, the Sadducees. And in John 18, we get another group. Ah, the Pharisees. I think we covered them all. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the temple police. I mean, all of them are the ones who always caused Jesus trouble for those three years. And there they are. You know what? They want to be in on this. So when Judas gets together and he reports to them, I don't know. You know, it's early in the morning, really. It's or late at night, however you want to term it. But it's just before, uh, of course, the, the rooster crows. We know that it's before that, so it's dark. Midnight, after midnight, um, we can have a thousand people in this crowd. If you were to take six hundred and the temple police and all the other ones. They, you know, Judas rounded them all up together. And here they come. And Jesus walks right up to them. Here I am. Uh, we go to the second part of uh, number one here, the kiss. It's Judas's kiss. I think Petra, a long time ago, back in the 80s, had a song called Judas' Kiss. That song. Up to this time, the name of Judas was a royal name. Taken from the tribe of Judah. Which means praise. Judas praise. He looked like one who praised Jesus for three and a half years. No one ever names a child Judas any longer. Have you noticed that? There was a rock group called Judas Priest That's about the only one that I can think of. Now, there probably is. And there's probably some demonic people running around with the name of Judas. (laughs) I don't know how you can ever name your child Judas. But it's definitely not popular, is it? So, one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas, and I want you to get this, is leading this motley crew. Think about that. Think about it. He's leading them all up there to Gethsemane. He has always been on the other side, right, with Jesus. And they are allowing him to be in front of them. These are the elite people of all of Israel. The Sanhedrin, that's the Supreme Court. The judges, the 70 elders, he's leading them. He's leading the temple police. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of these guys, He's leading them. The Roman cohort. Who's up in front? It's Judas. And what I want you to see is how bad Judas really is. Because there's a lot of people say, well, you know, you know he went and kissed him. And really, uh, He was really affectionate towards Jesus. Well, we're going to address that. Just in case you're thinking, well, you know, Judas really wasn't that bad guy. He just got caught in the the time, the the moment, you know. No, 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 this guy is evil. He is wicked. And that's what we're looking at here. He's leading the crew up here. This is a stunning betrayal that he's doing what he's doing. And he had to be feeling a a lot prideful at this time as he's leading all these people up there. And he's going to go to Jesus. Uh, A kiss, it was a matter of love, affection, respect. And really it was something that a rabbi would do with his disciple who was a beloved one. It was okay to kiss the cheek. It's okay. Today you see that. It really makes you wonder what's going on there. But in that that culture, that was very well accepted. But it, it was a term... Uh, this kiss was of reverence and love and just uh, affection. So Judas is really giving a sign of the identity of uh, that it was Jesus. It's a false affection. There's no affection or love at all that Judas has for Jesus. It is deep, deep wickedness. One of the worst wicked, evil acts that has ever happened to betray Jesus in the way that he did it. J.C. Ryle, some of you have heard of him, back in the 1800s, late 1800s, he was about the time of C.H. Spurgeon. This is at the time when you had quite a few people preaching the Word of God very strongly. J.C. Ryle did that. He said this, To betray Christ at any time is the very height of wickedness. But to betray Him with a kiss proves a man to have become a very child of hell. Wow. What a statement. I agree with that. It's a signal that Judas has already put out. He doesn't have affection for Jesus. He wouldn't even be doing this. It says Matthew 26, 48-50, Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign saying, Whomever I shall kiss, He's the one, catch this, Seize him. That's kratesate. It means to grab him and don't let him go. Uh, do, do you get that? He says, whenever I kiss him, that's the sign, and you grab him, you seize him. You've got it. don't let him go. Judas knows the power of Jesus. But somehow he thinks that they can actually trap him and get him. See, he's been on the inside. He knows a little more, right? What is he thinking? Why a kiss? He simply could have said, there he is, guys. Go get him. Well, that would seem the thing to do, wouldn't it? God, don't let him see me. No, he is so brash and so bold. He comes right up to Jesus puts this kiss on him, but it's really a sign to all of them. he's in. It's Whenever I do that, you come up and grab him. Kisses him on the cheek. Kisses intently. He kisses fervently because we find out that in Mark 14.45, it says he kept kissing him. It wasn't just one little cheek kiss. He kept doing it fervently. Jesus knows exactly what He's doing. And of course, Judas wants to take Jesus by surprise with the kiss, and then the soldiers, boom, like that. Judas is embracing Him. You see, he's concerned that there might be somebody else, possibly, that would say, oh, I'm Jesus, here I am. Because you see, as He's doing that, then Jesus could get on out of there and run away. Judas wants to make sure that they get him. And so he's giving orders, folks. He's giving orders to the Romans to seize him and grab him. Are you catching what's going on here? How evil this is. Judas is concerned about that. Uh, This is an act of treachery. This is so brash for someone to do what he did. You see, deceit is involved here. He's deceiving Jesus, so he thinks. He's a, a very adept hypocrite. Wouldn't you say he's the hypocrite of all hypocrites? You see, he's been working an undercover operation for these three years, and he's made himself look really good. He knew he looked good to all the crowds that would follow Jesus He was so well respected, he was taking care of the treasury, took care of the money, a very well respected person. He can play the hypocritical game. Have you seen any people in churches down through the years who looked like they were for real and they did everything that looked like a Christian, but they didn't come through with it? And they always show themselves But see, we never know who those are because God in His grace and mercy can save those. Peter looked like a hypocrite and he did a hypocritical thing because he did something dastardly too, didn't he? Denied the Lord three times. But see, he was forgiven. So we don't know who those hypocrites ultimately are because we're all hypocrites. We put on the mask. We We, we act a part out sometimes, don't we? But you see, it's full of deceit. Look in Proverbs 27, verse 6. Psalms, Proverbs, near the end of Proverbs. We get a lot of wisdom from that, don't we? Here we have one here. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. What's that? Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. He was a deceiver. A hypocrite. Matter of fact, this is despicable, folks, what he does. Jesus actually takes the kiss. You know, he could have said, whoa, whoa, get back. I know what you're doing. He could have blasted Judas right at this moment. Matter of fact, he could have made Judas just disappear. And the whole Roman cohort and everybody else. He could have done that, couldn't he? No problem at all with all that power. He He takes the kiss. He doesn't resist it at all. This is unthinkable, what Judas is doing. It's the worst human act up to now with what he's doing. As he perpetrates all this on Jesus. This is a despicable kiss. It's worse than being spit in the face. Have you ever had a friend that was really close? A relative or whoever. Somebody that you knew that was for a long time very faithful, very good friend. They treated you good. You treated them good. And all of a sudden, they turn on you like that. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, what happened? And you go, did I do something? You you try to check everything out. All of a sudden, they have become your worst enemy. Your worst nightmare. Because now, it's like they hate you. Has that ever happened to anybody? I bet it has. And it's a horrible feeling. We don't like that at all, do we? Jesus felt that. He knows exactly what that feels like when Judas did this. Somebody that turns against you for no apparent reason at all. And they start condemning you and saying things that are absolute lies. It's despicable things. Well, we go back to our Luke passage in 22. And we see that in verse 48, that Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Did you see Jesus' words? Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? In other words, you know what he's saying? Really, Judas, really? You're going to do it this way? You're going to betray me with a kiss? Really, Judas, are you kidding me? Don't you realize what you're doing? You see, Jesus allowed Judas to kiss him. He could very well have pushed him off. Matter of fact, he didn't even turn his head as he had been spit on and slapped later on in the next few hours. And he did not now turn away from the kiss of the serpent. <clears throat> Could it be that in the midst of this whole betrayal, Jesus continues to show love and grace towards a horrible sin that Judas did. I mean, you know what? That's good for me to hear. Because if he can continue to do that with Judas, who does not wind up? He's not going to go to heaven. We know we can make a judgment because the Scripture says very well, this man hated Christ. as he did this awful act. He went to hell. He didn't want Christ. Because Christ didn't do for him what he wanted. He was a man of money. He loved money. He found out that this is not the kingdom that he thought it was going to be. Especially that last week, he says, he's going to go die. He's going to go to the cross. Okay, I'm in the wrong crowd here. He saw Jesus for who he is. And a lot of times when people see Jesus in the biblical way, you know what they do? they turn, they run, they get away because His demand is way too much the cost of discipleship turns people away they like the sweet loving Jesus but they don't like the sight of Jesus where He says a lot of things and does a lot of things that doesn't go with their program so to me this is really encouraging because I'm a sinner too but he can show love to me even on my worst moments. His grace is always there. doesn't that do you good? Mercy. we sing those mercy songs this morning and he extends that to us for all those who believe. see Judas's heart was hard. he rejected the Savior. that's what happened. he was condemned. He was thinking only about himself. Judas's hard heart rejected the Savior. So there's part one. Do you see what the idea of the kiss is? It's not gentle and affectionate saying, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this, but I'm doing it. We see how evil it is what he just did. But we still see Jesus in His graciousness. He could have just Done he could have done whatever he wanted to do with him right there and all of the cohort. Well, let's go to the second part. It's the sword. We've seen the kiss. Here's the sword. And we bring in different characters again. Verse 49: when those who were around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? That's the disciples. Hey, you want to bring that tower down, Lord? <laughs> it has to be James and John, and they're doing that. It has to be Peter. Probably all of them. They're ready to take it on because there they are. They're all right there. They know what Jesus can do. All his power, and they're ready to help him out. Let's go for it. Loyal. But, did we read 50? One of them struck the sleeve of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Fifty-one. But Jesus answered and said, Stop. No more of this. He Jesus his ear and healed him. Jesus is in control of His own arrest. is great? Every detail is happening here the way it's supposed to happen. Um, the disciples knew what was coming down now. They get it. Here's Judas. You know, when they first see Judas, they go, Can you imagine? It was him all along. Jesus told us about this at the supper, the Passover. I saw Jesus. It's becoming clear it was a great illustration of wasted opportunity. squandered his privilege. He walked with Jesus for three years. The love of money, the love of sin, hypocrisy, false discipleship, it's called apostasy. To turn away from truth when it is totally presented in total light, and it's to take that truth, come up to it, and turn back and go the other way, knowing full well that full revelation has been there. Apostasy, apostasia is the worst. He turns it back on Christ, That's what this. Will, it, it's all clear now the disciples are, they're getting this clicking. We want to protect Jesus, right? So they respond. All the religious elite there, soldiers are there. Judas is in front. Disciples are seeing this. It's crystal clear. It's clear about what Judas is doing. The intent of the crowd. Jesus had stepped right up to them, walked up there. Disciples are going, what he's going to do here. Watch this. And I think it's in John 18, 4-9, let's read that. John 18. So, Jesus, knowing all the things that were coming upon Him, He already knew it, every little detail. He went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, "Jesus, the Nazarene." I said to him, to them, "I am." Now, my version has "He" in italics. That means in the original language, it's not really there. He's saying, "I am." Have you heard that one before? That's the self-existent one. That is the covenant God, the one who is eternal. That's always been here. I am. And Judas also, who was betraying him, was standing with them. What happened Judas along with all of them? So when he said to them, I am, or I am he, they drew back, fell to the ground. The power of Jesus right there, of his name, I am, or Yahweh, or Jehovah. Therefore he again asked them, Whom do you seek? Jesus, the Nazarene. Why shouldn't they say, you're Him? Okay, we're out of here. (laughs) They just fell to the ground, all of them. They all went down. How many hundreds? Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you seek Me, let these go their way. That's the disciples. Peter. Peter. James, John says, okay, if you're seeking Me, let them go. Were they arrested? No. He has power in His words. You know, they would have arrested them too. It's a whole idea. You know, put this to rest. I am told uh, Jesus, answered, I told you that I am He, so if you seek Me, let these go their way to fulfill the word which He spoke. The word of God will come through. Of those whom you have given me, I lost not one. That's what he prayed for. Perfect unity; they would never be lost. They're his. Eleven now. Simon Peter, then having a sword, Simon is going, "Yes, Jesus made them lay down." He, he, you know that, there they are, falling over the place, and they're on the ground. And what is Peter doing? All right. <laughs> He takes that makara. It's like a dagger. It's not a huge sword. It's a small sword. Takes it and goes, That's what he does there. The sword drew it. Struck the high priest's slave. The high priest is right up front. He's right there with Judas, the high priest. Get it? He has a slave with him. And cut off his right ear and the slave's name was Malchus. John, right down even to the point, names him. So, Jesus said to Peter, Put the sword into the sheath. The cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? Peter's been saying all along, You shall not die. I'll go with you to death if I have to. Right? There he was. He was doing it. You have to say he's very loyal to Jesus. He really does love Jesus, but um, doesn't understand the program. Does anybody? So, the eternal one is there. The disciples are invincible. Jesus has just laid them out. Well, you think that would energize the apostles? (laughs) Alright guys, this is it. We're taking over now. We can get them. What have we got to worry about? We have Jesus at our side. You see, uh, Peter, as long as he knew Jesus was at his side, he is very bold. But the very moment that Jesus is not at His side and He gets questioned, even by a slave girl, hey, weren't you one of them that was with Jesus? Oh, I don't know Him. Never saw Him before. I don't know Him. Well, He changed, didn't He? But when you see Him in the book of Acts, filled with the Holy Spirit, He says things and He does things in the very power of the Holy Spirit. The power that Christ had. So there's still something that has to happen. But you know what? This immediate experience that they just saw, they knew that he had power. The steel with the sword and everything, you know, he's helping it out. And you know what? Here you have the slave and his ear is cut off. Peter really wasn't going for the ear. <laughs> Only. <laughs> It's kind of funny, and then he cut his ear off. It sounds like a boxer. You know, when they go and bite their ears off, you remember that one? You see, he was much better with a fishing net than he was with a sword. He was really going for the throat to cut his head off. And instead, uh, it's like Malchus ducks and gets the ear. So that's what's going on. His heart is in the right place in the sense that he's for Jesus, but this is a wrong method. Peter, you still don't get it. You see, Christians are not to be involved in holy war. We've heard of the crusades and pretty embarrassing things that the church did. And of course, I wouldn't call those necessarily believers, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, in Christ, when you heard of a lot of those crusades, they were under the Roman church and they really didn't know what salvation was. They thought the way to kingdom was the way that the, the Jews had looked at it. Um, Matthew twenty six fifty six. All of this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. It's been prophesied in the Old Testament. Psalm fifty or Psalm twenty-two, Isaiah fifty-three, all of these things that went down all through his crucifixion and such. It's because prophecy is being fulfilled right before their eyes. So Jesus does the miracle, heals him there. You can see the mercy and the grace that he has. He stops a war, a bloodbath that could happen right there. He protects his disciples at the same time. The enemy does not start their weapons uh, flailing and cutting off heads themselves. Jesus heals the man. You see, that's what Jesus is like, isn't it? This is Jesus. At a time that He was hated and it was exposed. And there is a man that had been with Him Jesus knows that this is going to happen. But you know what? He still has a kind of a love, not a saving love, not a saving grace, not a saving mercy there. But still, yet, Judas could have backed off and said, Wow, you could have really just sat me just now. It'd been better if Judas would not have been born. Jesus said that words of Jesus. What does that mean? Now we go to part three. It's called the hour of darkness. and This is our title that we have today. 52 and 53 of Luke 22. So get ready to close this down. Then Jesus said to the chief priest, you know, Jesus is speaking again. Is he in control of this? and officers of the temple and elders who had come against him. Have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber? While well, I was with you daily in the temple, you do not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. Huh. This is a rebuke of Jesus. John 18.3 says, "...that came with lanterns, torches, and weapons." They're fully equipped. Lanterns, torches, weapons. In our passage here, swords and clubs. Swords belong to Romans. The clubs belong to the temple police. The Romans can kill you. The Romans have the right of the sword to take one's life. The Jews do not have that right, and they have clubs. and They can go around beating you. <laughs> And they can really blast you with their clubs. They can whack people around to bring people into order. So they have the Makaras too, the sword, the short daggers that are pinpointed. They have the night sticks up there. They're ready for a fight. There's a rebel here, and he has a crowd of people with him. And this is a robber, almost like a robber, an, an insurrectionist. He's numbered with the transgressors. They see him as a what? A criminal. That's what he is to them. So you have a group of vigilantes, really what's happening here. Soldiers are there to capture him, and the purpose is to uh, murder him. It's an amazing look, isn't it? At how people you Jesus Christ if he's not their savior you see they're in the same camp as Judas it just transcends this, this whole scene this is a total unbeliever, total revelation total unbelief and that's a dangerous position to be in the unbeliever out there today all over the world this is how they view Jesus Christ even if they've been around the church for years if they're not committed to him and the cost of discipleship they are hypocrites up at the top he said well I was with you daily in the temple You didn't lay hands on me then. I was out in the sunshine, out in the broad daylight where everybody could see. Why didn't you just go ahead and arrest me then? It would have been a lot easier. Why didn't you do that? I was here. Why didn't you do it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? You could have done it. I was right there. Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you arrest me? See, it says, you come out here with swords in clubs just like I'm a revolutionary that's how people look at Jesus he's a criminal he's worthless to them he's a rebel the whole soon this whole scene here is just absolutely ridiculous it's ludicrous you didn't touch me but now You seize me. You grab me. Why now? Now, what's the deal? Doesn't Jesus know the answer? Well, Right here, He shows that He knows the answer. Why didn't you do it? I mean, why did you do that? At nighttime? Here, you're coming up here with hundreds. You're coming up with the National Guard, the SWAT team, the, the whole Supreme Court to arrest me. Here's why. He says it. But this hour and the power of darkness are yours. He gives the answer. Why'd you do it? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's the hour and power of darkness. It's yours. It belongs to you. God gave it to you. God gave you this hour. God gave you this moment in time to do what you're going to do. He gave it to Judas, gave it to the Romans, gave it to all the Jews. This is your hour. This is an association with the hour of darkness, Satan. You're doing it. Hell, Satan is energizing you, but you're doing it even though Satan is energizing you. God has designed this to happen. That the prophecies would come through if he didn't get arrested he didn't go to the cross what are we doing here sitting about this it's absolutely worthless right and of course his resurrection is where all of this takes place because then that is verifying us to us that he was real in what he did and he justifies us now You're doing it because God has designed it. That's the idea of our message today. That's really what I wanted to get across. I've probably said it over a hundred times. And sometimes I just keep reiterating and reiterating. And I go, wow, I already made the point. Why do I keep doing that? But is that okay? That's what I've been doing all week. Sticking it in my head of saying, see how evil this is. I want to give Judas a break you know. somehow. My humanness. I can't. He's not going to be in heaven. He did a dastardly deed. It was so wicked. That's what Jesus said to him. You know, are you really going to do this? Are you betraying me with a kiss? The dastardly deed. Judas has that gall to walk up to Jesus and kiss him. And he could have just stayed behind or something. No, that's how bad he is. You know what? Jesus is saying, take me. This is your hour. Do it. Do what you're going to do. This is your time. This is the hour of darkness. And really, you know what? It's going to achieve the purpose of God. Romans 8.28 I cannot say that verse enough. God works together all things for good. To those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Uh, What is it in um, Genesis 50, dealing with Joseph? He said, You meant evil. You tried to do evil to me. But God has worked this for good. So the evil is that the darkness of hearts is exposed. Those hard, rejecting hearts were seen. It was exposed. That's evil. What about good? Genesis 50, 20. The purpose of God is achieved. He does it through evil times, good times. He's always working His purpose. He's never surprised. He's cutting His plan right on through. No matter what man And his will is, God's will will always prevail. He uses it. Man is responsible. Judas is absolutely responsible for what he did. But yet somehow he falls in the plan of God. Try to describe how that works. My mind is like a third brain compared to the eternal thoughts of God. My thoughts are not his thoughts. All I have to do, though, is believe it. Don't doubt it, right? So the triumphant Savior walks out to them. He gives His name, I Am. They all fall down. He takes the kiss, lets them tie Him up and haul Him away. And this is all God's purpose. It's all about what Jesus said and did. Look for that in every passage that you read because God's will is being done. Just like today, it is being done. Let's pray. Father, what a glorious time it's been. What a glorious passage as it shows the power of Christ. Shows His grace, His mercy, His love. Shows His saving grace to Peter and all the rest of the disciples that are His. It shows judgment upon the ones who had hardened their heart against Him. They're all responsible for they rejected the Savior. And so it is today. If anyone does not know Christ fully in the sense that He came to take your sin away, He died for your sin, and He arose to show that this gospel story is true, Jesus is the one we turn to always thank you lord that your plan always works through even in such an hour of darkness thank you for this dark world that we live in because you're working your will and may we be able to see you in it no matter what goes on because your truth prevails always and it's light Thank You for this day and this opportunity that we've had to get into Your Word, to let You teach us through Your Spirit, to let us know a little bit more about Your nature, Your character, so that we glorify You and that we tell this message to the lost ones. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.